Well, I think we can see it as a holiday weekend. But it's good to see you here. I'm glad you uh, took advantage of an opportunity to be here when you didn't have to fight for a seat. That's a nice way of saying it, isn't it? Good to see you here. Glad that we can be together this day. Uh, just a couple of quick reminders. One is that we have the, the first Wednesday night supper. Um, the first Wednesday night of each month we try to do this. That's on January the 4th and from 5.30 to 7 in our social hall. Um, the menu is Parmesan chicken, salad, rolls, dessert, and tea. There'll be activities for the children after the meal. Reservations are not required, but you may sign up online or call the church office, which we would like if you say, hi, I'm bringing 16 or 17 people with me. We might need to know that. Um, but anyway, we hope that you'll be there for that. Children's programs uh, on Sunday nights will resume not today, but next week, although youth will be meeting tonight uh, at their usual time. There's another announcement in the bulletin that I want to call your attention to, and that is for a spaghetti dinner fundraiser on the 22nd of January um, to raise money for the Samaritan's Purse Children's Heart Project. One of our young people, Leanna Morris, is kind of spearheading this, um, and so we ask your help to help her as she does some fundraising for a cause that's near and dear to her and perhaps your heart as well. Other announcements are in the bulletin that as you uh, hopefully will have time to, to read a little later on. And uh, we trust for you and your family this is going to be a very wonderful new year. Um, I'm still wearing my Christmas tie today because here a week late, Penny's family is finally going to get together and have Christmas supper tonight. Yay! So uh, we're, we're, we're maybe a little, little late, but we're going to have Christmas this year. Or actually, that'll be two Christmases this year. Anyway, uh, we'll see how that works out. But it is good to see you. And if you're visiting here, we welcome you and invite you to come back to be with us often. Let us now begin our worship of God.
affirmation of faith is on page 881, the Apostles' Creed. Let us, <clears throat> excuse me, let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, once crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. This time we'd like to invite the children to come forward to join Ralph Johnson for a few moments of sharing. Did, uh, what is today? New Year's Day. Um, we can tell whose mom and dad stayed out late last night, can't we? <laughs> um, <clears throat> what uh, do people normally do on New Year's Day? Um, every, every year people may, may do it. Have a party. What about what about making resolutions? Y'all know what a resolution is. Like, for instance, give me an example. Losing weight. Oh man, you see all kinds of advertisements on TV about TV about losing weight this time of year. All those gyms, man, they do a bang up business for about two months, and then people kind of drop off. What about people will promise themselves to quit smoking? Um, Read the Bible more. Be nice to people. Um, what about what kind of resolution would a somebody your age make? Stop doing what? Playing video games. Too many video games. Watch too much TV. What'd you say, sir? Make good grades. Yeah. Study harder. All of those things are are good things. Well, today we're going to talk about a. Um, a parable that Jesus told to his disciples during the week before he was crucified. And he told a lot of parables that week. But this one um, will give us some insight um, uh, as far as hopefully I can tie it into to, uh, having a, uh, a resolution for, for y'all to take care of during the year. Um, do you know what a parable is? A parable is a story, okay? Um, and this parable is called the parable of the talents. 
okay? And we, we know what talents are, don't we? Those are things that we can do well, that we're talented. But in this particular case, a talent is a coin or a piece of money. So the, this is the parable of the talents. Well, I'm going to change it, and we're going to call it the story of the money, okay? And just to make it simpler, and I'm going to change some of the characters in here to make it more applicable to today. So um, once there was a business owner, and he was going on a long trip. He was going to be gone for about a year, let's say. And he called, he had three employees, and he called them in. And the first employee, he said, I'm going to be gone for a long time. I'm going to give you $500. And I want you to uh, take care of this $500 and use it wisely. And then he brought his next employee in. He said, I'm going to give you $200. And I want you to take this $200 and use it wisely while I'm gone. And uh, then he called the third one in. And he gave him $100. And he told him the same thing. Well, no sooner did the businessman leave on his trip than the man who was given the $500 immediately went out and started making more money with that $500. The man with the $200 also did the same thing. He went out and used that $200. But the man that he gave the $100 to was afraid to risk the money, and he went and buried it in his backyard. Well, about a year later, the businessman came back. He called all these employees in, and the first one said, look, <clears throat> boss, I've made 500 more dollars with the 500 that you gave me, $1,000. And the boss said to him, that's wonderful. You're a good and faithful employee, and because you have been, I'm going to give you more responsibility. And um, give you a promotion. So then he calls the man he gave the $200 came in and he said um, I've made 200 more dollars and the boss said that's great that's $400 you've been a good employee and I'm going to reward you by giving you a promotion and more responsibility. Well then the guy with the $100 comes in and he said boss I was really afraid to risk that $100, so I buried it in the backyard, and here's your $100. Well, needless to say, the boss was not very happy, and um, he called the guy lazy, threw him out, <coughs> fired him, sent him on his way. What do you think the, um, the meaning of that parable is? Any ideas? How about that being a Christian takes some risk? And that being a, Christ, that being a Christian also uh, God wants us to do things that will reward us. Okay? Do you agree with that? Well, what do you think if you were given if you were given some money to go out and and do that? Do you what do you think you would end up doing? You would save it. You just you bury it, like the guy did with a hundred dollars. Oh no. 
earn more money? And how would you do that? Doing some stuff for some other people? Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty good. And that's what I want you to take from this, that you will go out there and do things, uh, that you will take what you've got. What God wants us to do is to be good stewards of what we have. And that includes not only our talents, as we think of talents today, but that includes the money that we have as well. Robert, you could buy a lot of worms for fishing with $50, couldn't you? I'd, uh, I'd go a long way. Uh, I want you to know, down in uh, Edgefield in 1984, a minister down there passed out 
thousands of dollars like that to his whole congregation because they were rebuilding after a fire. And he challenged them. And in, a, in about six weeks after he did that, they came back to church and received all the money and they retired their debt in six weeks by the preacher challenging them that way. He was a lot richer than I am. I can't do that. <laughs> but, but it was an amazing thing to be to see in the headline. And I followed that preacher and I said, oh, great. I got to follow this act. But he was, he was a wonderful fellow. So, thank you, Ralph. Our um, Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Here now the Old Testament lesson. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and your glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the sea will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is on page uh, 795, Psalm 72. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this uh, passage of scripture responsively. Give the king your justice, O God. May he judge your people with righteousness. And justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor people. May he live while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May his foes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He He saves the lives of the needy. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. And may they blossom forth in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name be forever, his name be 
Our epistle lesson is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy prophets and apostles. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, on this Epiphany Sunday, we are reminded that Jesus' appeal was to all people of all stations in life, of all races, of all nations. We are grateful for the, for the journey of the Magi from their distant land, bringing gifts to Jesus, kings as we have called them, bearing homage to the king, proclaiming him as their king of kings. We know that Jesus came for all people, the kingly and the peasant. And so we're thankful that the shepherds also came to bring their love and gifts and their presence to the Christ child to say to the world and to say to Christ, you are our Lord too. And so we come to celebrate this day the universal appeal of Jesus for all people everywhere. And we're reminded in the words of the apostle in Ephesians that Jesus came that we might become one, that Gentiles and Jews might come together in one body, and that is in Christ and the church, that together we might rejoin one another and be members of the same human family and work to bring harmony and peace to our world. And we are truly thankful for this good message. And yet we recognize, Lord, that when Jesus came, unity and peace did not come then as a result. Indeed, even a greater degree of fracturing of the human family occurred. But we pray, Lord, always in our day and in the days to come that you might call us to do as Jesus did, to go about this world and to be healers, proclaimers of the good news of your love for us, and peacemakers, helping to reconcile people to God and to one another. Lord, we remember our members of this community of faith that are not here today, especially those that are in poor health or recovering from an accident or injury or illness. We pray for these, our friends, and we're grateful that Jesus still touches our frail bodies and heals us. We're grateful that you've called people to study medicine, that they might be your instruments as well. We submit and commit these, our friends, into your good hands. As we pray for this new year, Lord, we pray that we know it won't be a perfect year. We know there'll be challenges and difficulties and even some strong storms and and some difficulties in our, our lives. But cause us this day to remember that you have made us more than conquerors through Jesus Christ and that with you there is nothing in this new year that we will face that we will not face without your presence and your help. And we're thankful for that as well. As we pray in the name of Jesus our Lord who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Our gospel lesson is the story of the visit of the Magi, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned, in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here ends the lesson. <clears throat> it is said that curiosity killed the cat, but curiosity is also a human trait, a gift from God to us that has served us very well. If something is hidden in secrecy or shrouded in mystery, we humans seem to be all the more interested in it, and we must solve the mystery if we can. Along with science fiction and romance, mystery is one of the reasons we turn on our television sets and go to the movies. Mystery is also one of the uh, stimulants for higher education for us, and it is also a component of our human search for God. We want to understand God, and perhaps that is the reason God chose to surround himself in mystery. By the time of the first century AD, mystery religions were widespread throughout the Roman Empire. These mystery religions centered around different pagan deities. And people were promised that after they joined one or more of those cults, that they would be given understanding that produced unity with that God along with inner peace. Some of those mystery religions even promised people would find forgiveness of sins and immortality. Many of these mystery religions were centered around agriculture with its annual cycle of rebirth in the spring and death in the fall. And these religions were designed to address the questions about life 
after death. Of course, many of these mystery religions involve practices that exceeded the bounds of decency and morality and were therefore opposed by Judeo-Christian groups uh, and churches. But they were immensely popular in the early days of the church. And the concept of mystery was a common one for religions, religious discussions of those days. Perhaps, perhaps that is why the writer of Hebrews, who was probably a close student or associate of Paul, who tried his best to recreate Paul's sermons so that they wouldn't be lost uh, to the world. This writer employed the word mystery very often in telling us what God had done for us in Christ. And when he did this, he was using a very popular concept of that day and time, a religious concept of that era to explain the work of Christ for all people. Like the mystery religions, the church promised new insight and understanding into the nature of the one God to people that joined its ranks. Through the message of the gospel, God was brought out of hiding, incarnated into our existence, whereby we could come to know him and be known by him. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, unity and peace with God had been accomplished for us. Our sins had been forgiven, and we were promised eternal life after death. In short, the Christian faith could deliver what the mystery religions promised but could not deliver. Insight into God's nature, unity and peace with God, forgiveness of sins, and life after death. And one more thing that the writer of Hebrews said was the biggest mystery of all. But I will save that like they do on television to get you coming back. I'll save the uh, chief mystery until after I give you this commercial message from one of our sponsors. Friends, are you looking for life that's good to the last drop? Are you looking for something that runs like a deer? After disappointing experiences in other churches, are you looking for a church that will cause you to say, it's the real thing. Like GE, we at Memorial United Methodist Church bring good things to life. Our first Wednesday catered suppers are always finger-licking good. We got one this week. Our children's programs give children the kiss of Christian love because every kiss begins with KT. <laughs> the kids in our youth program go around singing Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me. The faith that you can develop here is Timex faith, my friends. The kind that can take a licking and keep on ticking. So try it, you'll like it. Well, what I just did besides wake some of you up and put others of you to sleep was to use some popular ideas in our day and time as a way of connecting our church in some way to your life. And I, that's what I'm suggesting that the writer of Ephesians was doing by using that word mystery so much. He borrowed a concept that was prevalent in his day, used by other religions, and used it in a way to connect the gospel message to people of that day. 
The first thing we learn about the mystery of the gospel from this writing is that it came to Paul by way of grace and revelation. Grace because it came to Paul at a time he least deserved it. When he was guilty of persecuting Christians and causing the death of many people. And it came by way of revelation because it came directly out of heaven to Paul by means of a vision. Now Paul counted his vision on the road to Damascus as nothing less than an Easter resurrection appearance. Just like the other apostles had received. And therefore he claimed to be an apostle of equal power and responsibility with Peter and John and James. That word revelation is very important because it says to us that our inquisitiveness, our curiosity, can carry us just so far in our search for God. Using our human reasoning power, we can come to the conclusion that there is one God, but it takes God's self-revelation to carry us the rest of the way to God. In fact, we don't really find God he finds us. We can know God not because of our participation in some mystery religion that imparts knowledge to us, but because God has chosen to reveal himself in Christ Jesus, coming down from heaven in Christ, revealing himself to us. The message of the gospel, you see, is not some idea about God concocted by humans. It is a message that comes by way of divine revelation to us. We next learn that the mystery was not made known to anyone in previous generations. Not to the great philosophers of Greece, not even to the Hebrew prophets of old. This is something brand new occurring in that day and time. Due to the revelation from God, by means of the Holy Spirit to God's chosen apostles. You see how the mystery is building? And now we see what Paul considered to be the great mystery. It is that all people are to be included in God's family, brought together into the unified body of believers in Christ. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of, in Jesus Christ, we're told in verse 6. That's it, Paul? That's your secret mystery? I guess I was sort of expecting something more. Like, is the world going to end next year when the Mayan calendar runs out of days? Do you feel a little bit let down by this mystery that Paul unmasks? The mystery that's been hidden until now and revealed only in Christ is that all people are to be included in God's family. All people are being invited by God to come through faith in Jesus Christ into God's family and live together in peace. Somehow, I guess I need a little help in appreciating that mystery. And God says, all you've got to do to really appreciate this mystery is to look back over human history what is the one treasure that continues to elude you people down there on earth? Is it not peace on earth? Like the old song back in the 70s about the Vietnam soldier named Billy Jack said, 
Now they stood beside the treasure on the mountain, dark and red, turned the stone and looked beneath it. Peace on earth was all it said. That treasure has never been found by us on earth. Although all humans are part of the same family who come from the same place in the world and have the same human parents, we've allowed divisions to tear us apart. It is sin in action when you see how it's divided us up. The Tower of Babel reminds us that language was the first divider of people. Then we divided ourselves by ancestry as huge family clans gathered together to wage war on other huge family clans. Along our journey, we picked up some different skin colors and hair colors and other physical distinctions, and we divided ourselves from each other based on these uh, external differences. The Egyptians and the Israelites were conquered by the media Persian Empire, which was conquered by Alexander the Great and the Greeks, who were conquered by the Romans. It just goes on and on. Religious differences further divided us, and they continue to divide, to divide the human family up. The Sunni Muslims and the Shiite, Shiite Muslims are killing each other in so-called Islamic countries. They can't even agree to live together in peace. Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem recently made the news by telling a Jewish lady on a bus that she had to get up and move to the back of the bus so that men could sit up front. Hello, Rosa Parks. Where are you when we need you? All of human history has been about dividing ourselves up from others, thinking our way is the only way and we're better than everybody else. Everybody else needs to head to the back of the bus because we're better than you are. Our knowledge is superior to yours. Our religion is better than yours. Sorry, but you're going to be left out. But the gospel mystery that Almighty God has, has uh, revealed through the writings of Paul and through Jesus' actions is that God has acted to arrest this process of decay, and disintegration, and division. God has come to this earth in Christ Jesus, and Christ's death has made us one. It's made all the rules of the Hebrew religion obsolete. Everything that the old religion taught about right standing with God based on our own goodness has been annulled. The insights gained by ancient philosophers as well as oneness with God promised by the mystery religions has been shown to fall far short. Right standing with God is now something that God does for us through God's actions and God's declarations. You're declared in Christ to be in right relationship with him. Oneness with God, peace with God, forgiveness, the assurance of eternal life, that all now depends upon what God has done and not what we have done. Not only are we brothers and sisters because we share a common father and mother, but we are blood brothers and sisters of Jesus, and therefore we are brothers and sisters of each other. There's just a new way. There is a new way to peace on the planet, a new way of unity symbolized by the visit of the wise men to Jesus, men who were members of another religion, members of a foreign nation and race, and yet they too came to worship Jesus. God's intention, Paul says, was that now through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm, to all powers under the heavens, according to his eternal purpose, which he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was Paul's hope that not only would the gospel preaching result in salvation for everyone, but peace for our troubled planet. That is the hidden mystery of the gospel, according to the Apostle Paul. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So you see, we're not only messengers of salvation, we are messengers and makers of peace in our world. We're all God's children and we need to remind each other of that and we're called to live as such. But we should never suffer under any illusions as we pursue peace on earth. We might find ourselves like the policeman who jumped between two angry men who were fighting and beating themselves up one day and when he got them to stop fighting they turned and started beating on the policeman. In the same way Paul was rejected by the Jews and the Gentiles Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who came to bring peace, ended up on a cross. And yet he still calls us to be about his mission. We also know some good news. We know of instances where homes and families were being torn apart when faith in Christ came into that picture. And when Christ became Lord of those individuals in that home, peace was restored. We've known that happen in communities as well, as communities of individuals came to know Christ and peace broke out anew. Jesus remains my hope for this world because God has told us about his secret wish, the great mystery of the gospel, that all of his children would come to share together in the good news and the promise which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.